I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. You know, I'm not Huberman, so to be honest, the science behind it bores the shit out of me. You have to nourish your body. You have to nourish disease away. You know, the kids today, they love to, to call it escaping the matrix. You want to escape the matrix, read some books from the 40s, and you'll be blown away. What works for you? Food-wise, partners-wise, relationship-wise, movement-wise, sleep-wise? Fuck the rules. Find out for yourself. I think you already know this one's going to be a good one. That, everyone, is Rob Stewart, and he is the original eczema coach. He's been working for over 10 years to help people cure eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, inflammation of the skin. This is Rob's second appearance on the OPP. He joined me back on episode 325, The Cure for Eczema and Psoriasis with Rob Stewart, back in June of 2021. The dude is just such a likable guy. I mean, he's got an enormous YouTube following and he has an online course. You can go find him on YouTube at Rob Stewart. And in this episode, we talk a lot about freedom. We talk about what it takes to be strong, independent, and resilient. We talk about how you have to create freedom in your own life. We talk about cold exposure and detox flushes. And he's the kind of guy that's so down to earth, it's just absolutely refreshing to have a conversation like we just had that I'm so excited to share with you. And here's the thing, I gravitate towards people who don't ask for permission. They find out what works for them, and they are mission driven. They are on purpose. They are doing things to help others. And Rob checks all of those boxes. Phenomenal episode, instant classic. And I think that you're going to jive with a lot of what Rob has to say with a lot of really practical advice to help you live the best possible life that you can. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Rob Stewart. And I'm here with Rob Stewart for a return trip. It's uh, It's been since uh, June of 2021, since we recorded. Rob Stewart, welcome back to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's uh, nice to reconnect with you and uh, have a have a conversation about amazing things. You know, we, before we turned the mics on, we talked, we, we covered uh, loneliness, we covered uh, some file hacking and some lifestyle stuff and, and being a creative person. And, and I love to set the table in so many ways. Um, but I want to throw you a curveball because I know you're up for it. So here it comes. Um, as a cat owner, do you worry about toxoplasmosis? That That's actually a question that I've gotten a lot. And I, I actually do think about it. But my cat is not a typical cat. Like, I didn't go to the store and buy him. I didn't go to a breeder and and get him from a neighbor. He showed up out of nowhere, a skinny little kitty with scars on his face and he basically said hey, yo uh your farm is now my home and you're gonna take care of me and we're gonna be best friends so there's no litter boxes he doesn't poop around me i've never even seen him take a crap so i believe and and i haven't researched this fully but i believe that most of the issues come with dealing with litter um and so from that end i don't really worry about it at all but like most things, it's something that is a scary thing. And of course, I have something in the back of my mind, like when I'm picking him up or he's laying on me or he scratches me, like, oh, you know, I hope I don't hope I don't get something. But then I also catch myself and and really have to go, wow, I, I'm believing the internet. I'm listening to people on Instagram and YouTube and on the news if I if I'm really getting scared about something 
that for a human with a banging ass immune system and a nervous system that's ready to fight and crush at all times, um, like ticks, I'm not so sure it's actually much of an issue. Mm, yeah. I'm not convinced. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a really great, I think that's a healthy way to think about it, right? Like it, it, I, I'm not going to be scared just because I've been told to be scared. And I, and I think that a lot of people can take, can take that under advisement. You know, what do you see with your own eyeballs? You know, what do you choose to ascribe to and, and the context for the, for the question around toxoplasmosis um, uh, for, for all the cat owners are out there. I want to caveat that into a, a, a conversation about parasites and how that, pertains to optimal living and, and, and even the skin, because that's really your, your, uh, uh, a, a lot of your focus. And it's, you've helped so many people with skin issues, rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, et cetera. So maybe if we back up a little bit, if you would please just give like a really short condensed version of what toxoplasmosis is, uh, and, and then maybe dive into, um, what you know about parasites. Yeah. So toxoplasmosis, I don't know much about it. You know, I'm not Huberman. So to be honest, the science behind it bores the shit out of me. So I, I could give you my definition of it and what I've learned about it. And the few things that I have researched, the cool things, when you have that in you and you're you're actually experiencing the symptoms, it can feel like being drunk or on testosterone or eating a lot of psychedelics. So there's part of me that's like, doesn't sound that bad. Um, <laughs> the other, the other aspect is, is it does come from, you know, cats, fecal matter they're eating. My cat eats mice. It eats snakes. It eats frogs. It eats bunny rabbits. They're the same size as he is. Um, so he's, he's a true feral predator and whatever's out in the farmlands around my land, he's bringing in sitting on my lap. You know, like I was telling you before we started recording, my morning routine is I drink my caffeine, I listen to Willie Nelson, and I snuggle with my kitty, Mr. Tuna. And it, it, am I at a high risk of getting a parasite from him? Like I said, I don't, I don't handle his fecal matter. He doesn't have kitty litter, so I'm not sure. And to be just totally transparent, that's about the scope of what I know and kind of the scope of what I care to know. I, I'm more concerned with Let's say that I, I did run up against the flu or a parasite or an infection. Well, my body at this point better be strong enough to laugh at that stuff or everything I'm doing is kind of a joke. Well said, well said. Yeah, the, 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 re the reason why I, I, I think, uh, the reason why I'm drawn to your to your content and what you talk about is because it's practical, it's down to earth, it's grounded, it's stuff, everything, it's it's things everybody can do to do exactly what you are living out, which is to have great digestion, great skin, a strong body, focused mind. Everybody can cultivate practices that can allow that. And so if you're spooked about kitty litter or if you're spooked about a tick or you're spooked about your kids bringing some you know some bacteria back home from school with them um then you're probably more susceptible to have a freak out about it right and and so as you build up resilience and you build up you know your immune system through these protocols then um 
then you're going to be able to handle it. Maybe a little oregano oil, maybe some fasting or a detox flush or something, which you've talked about a lot too. Well, let me, let me go back in because before we, before we hit record, you said something that I have not heard yet. And I've been, so I did a, I did an episode with uh, David Avocado Wolf um, months ago. And he, I mean, he is, (laughs) that episode, we talked about archons. We talked about parasites in leadership on on this planet, all the way down to parasites in our gut. We talked about Para-X and Para-1 and Para-2 and, you know, Ivermectin and um fenbendazole and all these different things to like deal with parasites and so now it has become this thing that's just like chirping at me all the time like you sure you for sure you got them we've all got them what am i going to do about it is it affecting my my body my lifestyle at all but you said something that is very unique which was you think that you think that parasites are a symptom of something else and that is the first time that I've heard that. So maybe break that down for us. Yeah, it, it actually comes from just the bigger theory um, and the kind of, and I hate to use this word, the annoyance of hearing dermatologists and doctors constantly say, the root issue of eczema and psoriasis is the gut biome, or the, the root issue is you brushed up against a plant or no, it's it's quite simple. It's the immune system. It's the autonomic nervous system. It's the inflammatory the inflammatory response the fight or flight that is out of control and constantly at bay and attacking itself for no reason. It's a modern disease. And it's because of modern issues. It's because of our environment. It's because of modern food. It's because of modern mindsets. It's because of modern physiology and psychology. And to me, like I was alluding to the human body when it's running correctly is meant to be in the dirt, dirty nails, scratched up, in nature, dealing with the elements and and enjoying the process and laughing all the way. You know, no one thinks that when you tear your bicep muscle down while you're doing bicep curls, that that means it's going to knock your arm off. No, we completely understand that uh, micro tears, they, they create a huge effect in the body, hypercompensation methodology. That's what the body does amazingly. And it builds stronger muscles. To me, a little parasite gets in your body and the proper healthy body goes, thanks for coming and no big problem. Now, if your body's compromised, which most people are metabolically compromised, I, I and, and I've heard different things, one in three people. No, I think like 95% of people are metabolically compromised. You just just look around. Um, it, it's It's easy to see. So if you're immune systems compromised, if you're metabolically compromised and your mind is compromised, which is connecting the whole being uh, energetically to itself, then yeah, a parasite can get in you, wreak havoc, turn into other things. But it's like candida. Candida is not a root issue. It's a symptom of poor diet, poor gut biome. And I, I just believe in certain ways that parasites are that same same thing. So if your body is functioning at a proper level, you're either flushing those parasites or you're living in symbiosis with them. And if you are strong enough, resilient enough, then it's not going to be an issue. I like that a lot. I, you know, where my mind goes is thinks about like cancer cells. Like a lot of people forget that we have tons and tons, I don't know the number of cancer cells all the time. And 
we don't know. We don't think about it. It doesn't come up. And how our bodies respond to those cancer cells um, is everything. It just like you said, it's the it's the immune system. It's how well is your are your body's systems functioning? Are they are they topped up? Are they ready to go? You know, do you rest well? Do you can you can you get up and come down? Can you can you fight and and recover? All that stuff. So I think that that's a really interesting, really interesting idea. Well, then, I, I will. Yeah. I will add to this though, just because I think it's good to not just bring up one side and 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 bring a balanced conversation. Let's say you are someone who has a parasitic infection, like a a real parasitic infection. Can that then cause a host of other issues and a host of other other horrible symptoms? And can then that be a root issue for other things? Yes. So there is a little nuance to it. But in general, in the big picture, I, I definitely stand by the fact super healthy immune system and a super healthy nervous system and a body that is acting the way it's supposed to be acting scoffs at things like ticks and parasites and what we just went through um, the last few years and politics. So um <laughs> Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. How suit? Yeah, are you suit? Can you take it? Right? Can you take it? Can you deal with the stuff effectively? Is is are you functioning at a high enough level where it's not going to throw you off or knock you out? Um, that's an important idea. Well, then I want to kind of dovetail into detoxification because if we're, if we're kind of on the same line, right. Where it's like, okay, is your body detoxing well enough detox pathways? Are you sweating, shitting, peeing, crying, yawning, you know, do you have detox pathways set up? And we are, we live, you know, maybe, maybe you less on, on a bunch of acres, you know, in Nebraska, you're, you, maybe you are a little less maybe you have a little less exposure to plastic. Maybe you have fewer chemtrails, you know, flying above you. Maybe you have less uh, exposure to uh, to other toxins. I mean, mold is probably an issue for you. Uh, I assume it's something that you, you probably um, think about. But when it comes to these buildups of metals, plastics, et cetera, I know that you've talked a lot about detox protocols. Um, so how can we, how do you think about detoxification uh, in the body? And in what instances do you think it's time for, you know, a salt flush, which I want you to explain, or, you know, a coffee enema, which, I, which I'd like, love, like you to touch on. So at what point it's like, okay, well, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I'm strong. I'm fit. I rest well, you know, I can run forever. And also I probably have plastics in my body or heavy metals in my body and it's time to detox. How do you think about it? The way I think about it to be pretty straightforward is that all of those things that you mentioned, including herbs, don't detoxify or cleanse our bodies in any way, shape or form. Our body cleanses itself while we sleep during autophagy. All of those practices do is enhance the body's ability to open up the pathways of elimination, maybe at best bind to some toxic bylaws. But really what we're trying to do is create the body's ability to have autophagy on the deepest, most 
powerful level. When should those practices be taking place? It really depends on where you're at. If, if you're someone who has been eating a standard American diet your whole life, if you've been stressed and having horrible relationships, if you wake up every morning having anxiety and don't sleep well, if you're not working out, if, you're, if your body, if your joints are inflamed, these are the signals and the signs, the red flags your immune system and your body's given you. And they're beautiful and amazing. We have to pay attention to them. When these signs are overwhelmingly happening, I might even go so far as to say, whenever you're feeling less than calm, content, connected, or having the normal range of human emotions and human experiences, you, you might want to take on some focused time for healing. I like to call it focused time for healing or self-healing rather than I'm going to go and cleanse. Like you're never really going to hear me go, I'm going to go do the salt flush cleanse. I go, I'm going to do a salt flush. And I understand that that salt flush that I'm doing in that moment is not really cleansing me, but it's setting my body up at night to have the deepest levels of autophagy. Um, so when, when people are sick, when their immune systems are shutting down, when the a disease is systematic or systemic rather, when you're pre-diabetic, when you're drastically overweight, when you're super stressed, there's different cleansing practices or autophagy practices or autophagy enhancing practices that really coordinate and correlate with different biomarkers. For instance, if I'm someone who was anxious or lean towards depression, my best friend would be the sauna and cold exposure. The dopamine release, the serotonin control, even the way it responds with blood pressure and glucose, it's far stronger than most drugs that you can ever experience from a happiness, a happiness causing effect. If I was someone who had my gut biome absolutely just a mess, I would probably focus more on the manual cleanses using things like coffee enemas, the salt flush, the liver gallbladder flush, and allow my intestines and my filtration organs and my lymphatic system to start to move, start to start to get some activity, start to break up. And then that sets the stage for getting your body in a place to where you have great sleep habits. And during that sleep is when all of the magic happens. That's when your body's truly doing its circadian rhythm and its circadian cleansing schedule on its own time. But we can blunt that super easily, getting wasted before you go to bed. There's no autophagy happening. Eating a huge meal right before you go to bed, no autophagy is happening. Um, constantly being in a state of low level stress and cortisol release. It's like battery acid in the body. It's it's literally toxifying your body and your, your system can never catch up. When you're in any of those states, the first, first thing you need to do is you need to have a, a strong conversation with yourself, take some moral inventory, look at your, your behaviors, look at your, your narrative, um, look at the things that are, that are truly holding you back and, and start to address them. You can address them aggressively. You can address them slowly. You can address them all together or one by one, but you do have to, at some point, eat right, move your body enough and sleep well, and then also connect with humans and enjoy something about life and nature. Once you have those four things, then these cleanses and detoxification practices, the autophagy work, the saunas, the, the salt flushes, 
um, even some of the plant medicines, that's when they can actually have a profound effect. If you're living a toxic lifestyle and you do autophagy practices, you're probably not doing anything. So first of all, I tell people before you get into the world of cleansing and also know before, before you get into the world of cleansing and autophagy, you're not going to detox or cleanse anything away. You have to nourish your body. You have to nourish disease away. So first nourish, first lay the foundation with diet, with movement, with mindset, with sleep, with connection, with nature. Then we can, we've set the stage. Now we can do these fun things and let them really, really work for us. Today's episode is brought to you by BioPro Plus. You've probably heard me talk about it because I've been taking it for a couple of years and I absolutely love it. It is by far the most impactful supplement I've ever taken and I've experimented with hundreds and hundreds of different supplements. BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging hormone treatments. It's a unique combination of ingredients taken daily in the morning under the tongue to help literally everything. I'm talking about better sleep, faster metabolism, better muscle growth, increased libido, better mood. I can't tell you how effective this product is. And here's the thing, for guys over 35, our hormones and our ability to create growth hormone plummet. They start to decline very rapidly, especially if you're stressed out or you have a busy life. And what I have suggested to many of my clients and you, dear listener, is to wait. Wait before you go on TRT. Wait before you go do a thousand injectable peptides and try this product first. It is absolutely phenomenal. All you have to do is go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off or click on the show notes and take me up on this offer. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from clients that wish that they had found this years ago. Bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. That's a really wonderful way to think about it. I like that a lot. You can't detox away. You have to nourish away. You're right. You have to have the quality inputs feet outside barefoot on the ground you you know meaningful relationships nutrients or even fasting protocols to to let your body sort of recalibrate before you nourish before you do a detox yeah it's it, i think that that's really interesting because uh, i think the person that you're talking about who's like you know, fed up, I'm, fe I'm fed up. I got to do something. Well, it's like, they're still, they're still consuming a whole bunch of stuff to try to get out what's going, what's, what's, what's wrong with them. And it's just too many inputs. It's too much media. It's too much sugar. It's, too, and then you're going to what, then like do a, you know, a detox cleanse and hope, hopefully that works for you. I think that's fascinating. And, and, and the people that, you know, and I'll have done the, um, you know, sort of pre-read to introduce you and you're, you're really, you know, what you're known for before, you know, people have gotten to this point in our conversation. But I imagine that for the people who come to you, their skin is an expression of a whole bunch of issues that, that are going wrong for them. And maybe it's a patch on their elbow, or maybe it's scales all over their body which you got to swim way upstream to figure out what's going on for them. And it's like, well, there's a lot of stuff that's going on and not one thing is going to like 
you know, clear up your skin. You've got to put good inputs in. So I think that's a, that's a really fascinating idea, man. I love the simplicity of how you break things down. And I, and it must be what, why people are drawn to you because it's like, no, just like, let's just, let's just simplify this, you know, <laughs> let's just, let's just ground this. Let's be based in reality here. Um, let's say someone because everybody's on a spectrum that, that that might come want to work with you or subscribe to your youtube channel let's say someone has you know scales all over their body versus someone who has a patch on their elbow that they've had for a couple of years do you take the same approach for for both of those sort of profiles in, in how you how you work with people Yes, it's the same general it's the same general approach that's completely different for every individual. Um meaning if you're in a dark room and you have a flashlight turning it on makes the darkness go away. Now, how long are your fingers? Can you reach the little thing? Do you have to use two hands? Do you have to have it on a backpack or even strong enough to hold the light up? There's many factors to make the tool work. And that's the that's the place that's the the puzzle, and that's what I like. That's the puzzle piece of working with each individual. Maybe for Jill, it is completely emotional and narrative based. She has this belief about herself, and that's the thing that's holding her back from actually in the real world being consistent enough with her diet and her lifestyle choices to make the healing crystallize in her body. She self sabotages because. When she was little, someone told her something that made her feel not enough. And she's running with that story and running with that story and running with that story into adulthood. And it's become who she is, this woman that's not enough. First thing I do with every client is I look at their, their narratives. I, I look at their self-limiting behaviors. And I, I look at truly the, the things that they're doing in their rituals that are that are holding them back the super basic stuff how do you sleep how do you deal with stress what's your relationships like do you love or hate your job do you do anything creative how much do you move how how much do you get into nature i start there with pretty much everything because that tells the tell of everything then once we get into the healing mechanism it's super basic we address the gut biome through customizing the diet through the biomarker system that i created which is basically listening and learning from what the body's actually telling us through data and not guessing. It's not, oh, I heard some, you know, I heard a really cool video from Paul Saladino. So now I now meat and fruit is my savior. Well, that doesn't work for everybody. Or dang, I just listened to, um, you know, Dr. Amon Ra, and I think I'm going to be slightly breatharian and then drink soy milk at night while deadlifting 900 pounds. Cool. Um, <laughs> It, it it's not really about that. It's about first the most basic foundational stuff, then customizing the diet through asking the body, I'm going to eat these foods and I'm going to control what I eat. I'm going to minimize it down to the, the most nutrient dense foods and, and make it, I don't like the word elimination diet, but I'm going to make it extraordinarily simple. So all of the X factors are as controlled as possible. Then through listening to my body through performance metrics, and what I mean by performance metrics is, and, and again, if you're not doing these things, you don't have any metrics to get the data from. Are you getting stronger, faster, leaner, 
and more explosive with your body? If not, food's not working. Are you sleeping better? If not, food's not working. For men, are you getting morning woods and is your sex drive a little bit like distracting? If not, your diet, that food's not working and so on and so on and so on and so on. So first, the customization of the diet is like a cornerstone. Um, got to address the gut biome. Secondly, we take people into autophagy practices that fit nicely into their natural rhythm of life. I'm not a fan of white knuckling anything. I hate rules, especially hard, fast rules, like three minutes at 35 degrees in the cold plunge is it's bullshit. The rule, rules are are idiotic. Making rules that make sense for each person so that they can enjoy like autophagy practices should be should be fun. Like I don't do cold plunge because Huberman told me to, or because you know, I watched a, a Wim Hof video and I'm like, think that 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 he's some type of demigod. No, it's like actually the the cold exposure is more fun than cocaine for me. So I, I do it. And the saunas put me straight to bed and they give me a chance to be alone and take moral inventory. Um, and, and really, for me, meditation is just sitting in a room, grappling with my own mind until all the grappling has grappled itself out. Then yeah. I can sit and kind of be like, all right, now I'm thinking about making a hip hop beat. Or now I'm thinking about you know, that weird line in this song that I heard that is like hitting me emotionally and like bringing stuff up from my childhood. It's like, oh, this, this is, this is beautiful. I'm working through stuff. So it, it's bringing in the autophagy practices and making it so that people can actually be consistent and enjoy it. And then this is the big work. Like those two things are mechanical to me. That's more like setting your schedule and learning to eat right. Like it, those are very mechanical. The, the, the real work comes in now we have to address your relationships. Now we have to address stress. Now we have to address your job and your career and your children and your boyfriend and your girlfriend um, and your mindset. And truly, I believe that's the leverage point. That's the key. Once that's unlocked, once that is more powerful, more strong, or for some people, more chill, more easy, less hard work, for some people, more hard work then the other stuff starts to really work. And that's the same for every freaking person. And here's the thing. And this is the joke with people that know me. I Skin, and for people that are in the skin health community, they, they're probably going to take this the wrong way, but skin health is absolutely boring and it's completely easy to me. Like I've been doing it for so long and it's like, I've been doing the same thing with my work since I was a private baseball coach at 22 years old. Like I'm addressing narratives. I'm doing my best to absolutely destroy assumptions and I'm helping people to find the truth within their selves that can allow them to live the day-to-day -day life that they actually want to live. Freedom. This is what it's all about. And whether I'm business coaching, whether I'm doing consulting for someone who's going to buy a tiny home for me, whether I'm building shit on my farm or whether I'm dealing with people with, with eczema, dermatitis, psoriasis, or rosacea, Everything is anything and anything is everything. It's all the same process. And that's what I love about all of these things that I get to play with. I, I'm truly in my heart, a generalist. And what I found is through all of these different things I play with and all of these different practices, they have a synchronicity and you keep finding the same thing. 
through all of them. You'd go deep into each experience, whether it's Burning Man, ayahuasca, church, music, your academics. When you fully involve yourself into a practice and you allow the practice to naturally unfold, it tells you everything. And the weird thing is, is each practice ends up kind of telling you the same stuff. And, and that's at the heart of what I'm doing. And that's what I love about the things that I get to do is, is about freedom, man. We all want to just be free, free of the cage, free of the rules, free of mom's opinion or dad's opinion or uncle's opinion or the person who traumatized us or the government or whatever, whatever is imprisoning us, our health. That's what most of us are imprisoned by our, our health and to help people unlock that and to, to be able to unlock that life is different. You know, my favorite thing is when someone comes to me and they're slightly depressed. Um, there's a dude that's in, in our group. He's been with us for six months and the transformation that the whole group has seen this brother go through has been nothing short of make a grown man cry. Like, First time he shows up on Zoom, I kid you not, it was like the lights were the lights were out. It was like a dark picture. He was mad. He was kind of surly. He was a little bit, you know, like frustrated with the process. He was kind of like kind of starting stuff with people in the group. Like, oh, it's bullshit. That's not real. Fast forward to last week. Homeboy is 25 pounds heavier, pure muscle. He's got this glowing smile. He's grown his hair out. He's laid back in his chair. He's doing this. He's pointing at people. And he's he's sitting there uh, a free man. He's freed himself. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is about more than skin. Like the skin is the prison that I'm just trying to help people free themselves from. Mm. Man. I'm just going to give that one a little bit of a minute, a moment of silence. It's messages like that that I think people need to hear. Not maybe not even need to hear, but would benefit from hearing because we don't get that message very often. We can read it in Stoicism. We can read Ben Franklin autobiographies and get it there, but we don't get enough of that currently because we're distracted, you know, overstimulated sometimes understimulated. And what you're touching on, I think, is a really important, it's everything. It's everything. I it, Freedom to be who you were born to be is, it's everything. It's what brings you joy in your life and love in your life. And that freedom to be at the, the most, I, 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 I like this idea that we should each be the most extreme version of ourselves that we can possibly be. Just be the be the most Rob that you can be. I'm going to be the most Sean that I can be. Some people, that's going to irritate the shit out of. You know, I've lost a lot of friends over the last three years because of my big mouth, because I hate corruption, and because I speak out against narratives. And that's okay. That's okay. But I'm just going to keep being me. And I feel that freedom to be me. And it comes with, comes at a cost, you know, it comes at a cost of relationships. Sometimes it comes at a cost of leaving money on the table. You know, it comes at the cost of disruption and friction in, in my life. And, and, 
and yet it is the it is the only thing I'm interested in. You know, <laughs> it's it's everything. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about how I think for a lot of people, and maybe I'll get your opinion on this, is that they have to start by stripping things away first. They have to start by omission or abstinence, whether that's from sugar or Facebook or relationships that are toxic in their life. Well, we have to start there because we are overloaded. We are, we are, our brain barrel is like overflowing and causing dysfunction in our life. You know, I did a, I did a presentation a few weeks ago at uh, PsychCon, the psychedelic conference, and I was talking about psychedelics as tools for personal growth. And I came across some research that said we're exposed to 72 gigs of information, the equivalent of 72 gigs of information every day, every day. 500 years ago, it would have taken a, a, a very intelligent person to reach 72 gigs of information in their lifetime. When you think about that, it's like, we're, we can't keep up. So what's got to go? What do you got to set boundaries around? What do you have to omit from your life? If you started with sugar, that'd be a good idea. If you started with letting go of toxic relationships, that would probably be a good idea because then once you strip away those negative inputs, then you can start putting good stuff back in. I don't know if, what your thoughts are on that. I, I I think that's a really good framework for a lot of people. Um, I think the the other side of that is kind of like if I, I always go back to like old video games because I'm you know I'll be 44 next month, and when Tony Hawk Two came out, it was unbelievable. It was crazy, right? You could like design a character. And within that character, you only had 100 points and you had way more things to choose from than 100 points. So if you if you chose everything, you'd be at like one, 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 and you'd have this really weak, washed out, boring character. But if you if you did Ollie at like 10 and then, you know, grinding at like 20 and then like st personal style, at like 40, you got to pick and choose your 100 and human beings were the same way. We only have a certain bandwidth. And so when you take something away, you are adding something in. So I think both frameworks of doing something positive or taking something negative away, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And I think each personality has to create the framework and the perspective that works better for them. For some people that I work with, if you say, okay, we're going to eliminate this and eliminate that, they instantly it's tension freak out not going to happen resistance okay shut down but if we say look i don't give a shit what you eat but you're also going to eat 25 grams of protein five times a day in four separate meals or five separate meals and that's where we'll start well what happens when you do that everything else on the plate shrinks it has to and so they're adding something in but it's taking stuff away but on the other hand, you have people that like the idea of, okay, let's, let's Scorpios, let's burn the whole thing down, take everything away and start from scratch and just give me a minimal list and, and let me work with that. And that also works really well for people. 
me personally, I'm, I, I have to a little bit of wiggle within both. If I start to think of things as taking things away, my rebellious nature and my somewhat of the oppositional defiant part of my body and mind goes, why? Like, why, why would I do that? Like, what, what's the point? And, and sometimes it's an obvious great point, but that's my natural thing. But if you say, hey, like, let's play more sport. Well, that makes sense. Hell yeah, that's fun. That seems social. That seems interesting. And what did that just do? It took away the couch. So instead of saying I'm you're take you're you're done watching TV and you gotta go lift weights, you don't even mention TV in your in your mind and you go I'm I'm gonna join a soccer team, a co-ed soccer team, and we're playing three times a week. Okay, naturally, what happens is from those hundred points from the Tony Hawk skater analogy, you now have subtracted time from the couch naturally. So I think both frameworks are great, and I, I think that it's a fun thing to play with. And one idea that piggybacks off this that I that I am obsessed with, this is something that I beat the dead horse beyond it being dead with my clients is, and this comes from Don Miguel Ruiz, the four agreements, is basically you can't really, you can't really fully go into things thinking, I'm just gonna go in and change everything. Or I'm going to go in and use these phrases. You you do have to be impeccable with, with what your words are. So the framework is super important for me. It's a problem. This is a problem I have to fix. Okay, you're fucked. <laughs> you're right. It's a problem. Here's, here's the switcheroo. And this actually changes what part of your brain is activated. So here's the problem. And let's be more impeccable with our word and say, here's the puzzle. Here's the game, you know, a three-year-old who is learning to eat with a spoon for the very first time. It's not a, it's not a fucking problem for the little dude. It's not hard work. It's a, it's a, it's a new game. It's a puzzle. He, he takes that spoon from mom or dad. He dips it into the pudding and the first one hits him in the head every time. Right. And it's not, I'm so dumb. I'm an idiot. This is such hard work. It's like, oh, I'm still wanting that in my mouth. Let me dip back in for round two. And naturally he gets a little closer, hits the cheek. And then the next time he, he gets the corner of the mouth, oh, gets a little flavor. That's nice. This is starting to make sense. And then before you know it, by, by three years and a half, he's a spoon master. And that's, <laughs> that's the idea of looking at problems as puzzles and it, it and it, totally for me it totally shifts it totally shifts things like in the game of monopoly the very first time you play you're playing with your parents right and they're so so much smarter than you and they're they're baiting the shit out of you like yeah yeah you should you should buy that property okay cool boom there's your taxes well bam and you're like oh okay that stung but now i learned and the next time i spin around and come to the board i'm gonna get you back and it's like this fun thing where you you just got your ass handed to you but you don't really care because it's a puzzle and it's a game now why is life any different you know you're trying a new job and you mess up and your boss just gives it to you what most people start to do is they cower i'm so dumb i'm an idiot this is so hard i have all these problems why is it different than monopoly like your boss just checkmated you Oh, okay. Boss is smart. Wow. He's a really, okay. I saw how he did that. Gotcha. Okay. You got me this time, boss. But next time I come around, you, you better be damn well ready 
that that I'm going to come with something new and hey, I might I might fail again, but who cares, right? It it becomes a puzzle game rather than a a problem to solve. And I think that that framework piggybacked on on the other things makes adding or subtracting things just part of the fun puzzle. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I I say this to my my clients a, a lot and, and and a lot of my clients are really high performing people, you know, in whatever aspect of their life. Maybe maybe they're athletes or, you know, CEOs or or whatever and and they're used to solving problems. They're used to attacking every issue as a strategist. And you can't do that with your wife. You can't do that with your health. It's you got to dance a little bit. And when when you can see when it clicks for them that this is not an out al- your life is not an algebra equation for you to solve. That's that's a, that's a that's a faulty way of looking at things. It's not something that requires you to you to work to find the answer it's not that that ain't it It, there's so there's so much more to the way that you live your life and i like the way that you characterize that you know um what what do you now i'm curious about rob is as a as a thinker what do you what do you read what media do you expose yourself to i mean you're a youtube juggernaut and so for people who are who are who are on that path to mastery you know you mentioned don don miguel ruiz and the four agreements like what sort of stuff do you read how much time do you spend on instagram consuming content because i here's my thing it's like what you consume yourself with, what the, the, the messages, the media, the 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 shows, the music that you expose yourself to does frame your reality. So what frames Rob's reality? Yeah, definitely not social media. Uh, social media for me, um, especially like short form and like Instagram stuff, if you were to see like what my feed looks like from my end, it's um, tiny homes, it's puppy dogs, it's... Um, people doing cool dances. Um, it's the occasional, you know, person surfing a big wave and wiping out. It, it's, it's funny stuff. I, I just look at it as light entertainment. And also for me, it's, it's market research. Um, and, and not to say that, you know, you can't have some profound learning from Instagram and YouTube because, you know, you stumble onto the right people and you, you audit your, your channel in the right way so that your feed is, you know, the untainted aspects that aren't, you know, being, shoved in your face from the algorithm you know if you if you follow a bunch of inspirational wonderful things that actually up your game cool that doesn't work that great for me like i don't i don't follow really anyone in the industry i don't watch youtube videos besides if i'm trying to figure out a way to to install a wood burning fireplace into my sauna or how to videos or if i'm wanting to you know look at something like husker highlights nebraska football highlights like Okay, I'm I'm going to social media. For me, my education comes from I read constantly. I read every day. Um, I read a lot, and it's people like Robert Greene. It's you know, it's Dale Carnegie. It's Napoleon Hill. It's Don Miguel Ruiz. It's Eckhart Tolle. It's some autobiographies here and there. 
Uh, but it's mostly psychology and philosophy. That that's what my schooling was in. I have a my degree. I started off as a um, <laughs> I was playing baseball at the University of Utah, and they wouldn't for some reason allow you while you're on scholarship to to get a major in art. So I'm like, ah, that's huh. that kind of kills my shit. So I was always into psychology, always into behavioral science. So I, I found this random thing called marriage and family planning. Um, I flunked out of that school because the, the, the classic setting was, was garbage to me, but that led me to later on in life, getting a degree in behavioral science, getting three quarters of a master's done in marriage and family therapy as a psychologist. I'm certified as a yoga therapist and, and not like just the the movements and the asanas and the breath work, but the actual eight limbs, the philosophical system of healing through the sutras um, and the Bhagavad Gita. Um, so I love ancient texts. I love the Bible. I love the Tehran. I love all of the stuff written in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, I love Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Um, just a lot, a lot of different books um, that that make me feel. When I'm reading them, I want to feel a sense of understanding. I want to feel centered. I want my vocabulary to grow. I want to read books from people that are way smarter than me so that I can continue to activate my brain. And to me, most of my teachings, you know, everything I've said on this podcast today, nothing's original. It's all stolen. It's all remixes of things I've read and things that I've seen at lectures and I have had the experience to like, you know, sit in front of David Data and sit in front of Don Miguel Ruiz and listen to Eckhart Tolle live and um, profound. Osho, uh, he's one of my all-time favorites. Idu Portal, he's one of my favorites. He's not a writer, but he, he should be. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and I I kind of reread the same books over and over and over again. Like I'm I'm reading The 48 Laws of Power once again. I always trickle back to that. I think Robert Greene is a, He's a under underrated genius. Um, yeah, th those are the things, and I'm always always kind of on the hunt for new material. And I read, I learned a lot from Naval Ravikant. I, I probably just butchered his name, but I was always I, I'm severely dyslexic, and I have quote unquote severe ADD. Learning to read for me was horrible. It was traumatic. I was the kid that in third grade, when it was my turn to stand up in front of the class. I was barely able to get the words out. I would stutter. I would get nervous. I would skip lines. I would read things backwards. Kids would laugh at me. I'd punch them. Then we'd become friends. But reading was always horrible until I just started reading for joy. And the way that I read is I don't, I don't force myself to read from chapter one and read a whole book. I just jump in. I read what calls to me. I put it down when I feel like it. I'll switch books in the middle of a sentence. And it's more of that's my social media. Like those geniuses are my social media influencers and whatever I need to do to pick and grab from them. Um, that's what my content is created around. That's what my philosophy of life is created around. That's what my teachings with my private clients and my students and on my online course are, are all based on is those old, simple, wonderful books. I, I love the teachings of the Buddha. Um, and I also think that all religions, each and every single one of them has a lot to offer. They all have a very strange and amazing set of rules to live by that when you 
synthesize them and you do a meta-analysis of them, they're all kind of saying the same stuff. And mm -hmm. I think that that's really interesting too. And if you read, you know, the 48 laws of power compared to um, winning friends and gaining influence, they're the same damn book set in different mm -hmm. ways. And so I, again, kind of like I was saying about the practices, I'm a generalist, but what I keep seeing from being a generalist and having all of these different practices is that they all lead to the same spot. Same thing with the books that I love. At the end of the day, they're all pointing towards the same truth, the same realness, the same experience that's out there. And, and it's my belief, or, or maybe this just is my thing, that all of these books are these secret codes for freedom. Like, okay, and you know, the kids today, they love to, to call it escaping the matrix. You want to escape the matrix, read some books from the 40s, and you'll be blown away. Mm, yeah. What have you changed your mind about in the last couple of years? I changed my mind about everything every day. And I, I allow myself to have the freedom to, you know, whatever, whenever I get better information or an experience firsthand that gives me a new wisdom, counteracts or, or disproves something that I used to think was true, then that feels like more freedom, more growth. Um, some of the some of the stuff that that's more black and white um dietary stuff you know the people who know my long history of of diet i was vegan for 8 years um and and now to put it bluntly for me personally and the people that i've worked with it 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 seems damn near dangerous um you know i i wouldn't start anyone off um that i work with trying to push plant based or veganism in any way and at one one point, I I thought that methodology was gonna take me all the way, um, and it 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 taught me everything. And then it got to a certain point where I had to literally recover from being plant based and vegan. So that that's a major shift. I also have gone through different periods of time because of my athletic background, where I really believed in like, and I love these dudes like the Goggins approach where, and, and like Jocko is like, just fucking man up, you know, work until you're bleeding and dead. And then you'll have your, your freedom and satisfaction. And I find that to be for me, the complete opposite of how I have efficiency and get the most done. The harder I work, the less magic happens. And the more rules I follow, the less magic happens. To me, it, it is, it's a, it's a thing of, leveraging my naturalness and truly allowing myself to ebb and flow and, and respect that and play within that. It's kind of like a tree that's growing old, isn't thinking about or projecting or worrying about the way it looks, how many branches it has, whether the leaves are falling off. It's just being a tree and it's having this experience and having this wisdom and I feel more like I'm trying to become a tree in my life where I'm doing these practices, I'm having these experiences, and it's not the end goal that has anything to do with where I am end up. I have no desire, don't care. I know that that's a false reality. It's all about the process. And that's a, that's a big change for me as well, becoming an older man. And in my 30s, when I when I started creating content and started coaching, 
I, I was working hard and I, I had goals and I was achieving goals. You know, when I made, made it to a hundred thousand followers on YouTube and when I made it to a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, these were these goals. When I had my first $50,000 month, these were cemented goals that I thought once you achieve these, then you're, then you're there. And it's like, then you achieve them and it's as hollow as anything. It's, it's nothing. It's, there is no place. And, and what you realize and what I realized for me is that all the gifts and all the fun and all of the learning actually just comes through staying in the practice, staying in the game of the puzzle, staying in the, in the process and allowing the outcomes to be what the outcomes are and then looking at them. And if they don't feel right, iterate in a different direction. And it, and that's a huge change for me, probably my mindset and, and my dietary approach. Um, my, my diet now compared to when I was, you know, vegan, it's, I, I basically eat the same thing every day and it's, it's mostly animal foods. It's mostly animal fats and animal proteins with a few other things thrown in. Um, very, very different from how things used to be. Um, trying to think if there's any other controversial or, or, hot topic ones that I'm, that I've flipped on. I, I, there's a probably a million, um, but I, I, I change my mind often and, and enjoy having that ability. For everyone listening right now, I want you to kind of notice, and I'm sure you have, it's hard not to notice the level of engagement that Rob takes in his own life. Just, just notice, notice how alive Rob is, you know, the way that he thinks about, his process, the way that he thinks about the world, th that some of that is inborn, right? Some of that is just by nature of, of that is your birthright. It's just part of your personality is to just be curious and to, and to tinker and play and, and push and pull and dance and move and pivot. And the, the happiest people that I know and happy, happy is a, is a sort of a, a, an, an insufficient term to use, but the people who are most alive are the people who are engaged in their life. They're, they're curious. They, they say things that piss people off. They, they challenge themselves. They challenge others. They are very flexible. You know, I want everybody listening right now to think about the people that they admire the most, whether it's on social media or somebody at work or a cousin or a friend or somebody like the people who are who are the most engaged in their life are the people who um, seem to be enjoying their life the most. And they have ups and downs, too. They get sad. They, they feel lost. They cry. They feel lonely. But the people who are the most actively living their life for the people who are having the most fun. And I think that that's an important, important lesson. And everybody that's listening right now is like, yeah, yeah. You get a sense of that. I just have a couple, a couple more questions for you before we wrap this thing up. This has just been, this is exactly what I wanted to do, Rob. I wanted to like touch on some skin stuff and some health stuff, but I really would just wanted to pick your brain. Um, have you made an, have you made a purchase of under a hundred bucks of something in the last year that you really love? Yeah, I love stuff. Um, I, I, I'm a, I'm a human materialist. I like my things, you know, like today, um, I drove over to my parents' house to pick up, um, this 
thing called a cloud filter or cloud lifter. It connects this microphone to the interface of my computer and it makes my voice sound more sexy and deep and, you know, more satisfying. And it's like, I love that thing, dude. I, it cost me little over a hundred bucks. I, I do love that thing, but could you take that from me and I'll still be cool? Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I have some stuff, but in a weird way, I'm also a minimalist. Like I wear the same pants and shirt and, you know, like I don't own a lot of, a lot of things. Um, and the things that I do own, you know, like my land, I love my land. I, I bought that, you know, I, I bought that with hard earned money. Um, my truck, I love my truck. It's a old 2007 Ram 1500 and it's cheesy. It's jacked up and it's got a rack and it's a great tool for living on a farm. And I, I do love it. Um, but I, but I also think that nature of love itself is, is it's like hugging a cloud. It's very fleeting. It's like, what, what is it? What is it really? Do I love the truck or do I enjoy the experience that it allows me to have? And I, I think that I can say I'm a materialist in that way, but I do know the cosmic joke of that. It's not the materials that are creating the joy or the experience. It's the experience itself. So, um, other things that I've bought recently that I really love this new tank top, Nebraska football. Um, I'm obsessed with cheap t-shirts. I love cheap, like kind of cheesy t-shirts, like gas station t-shirts with wolves on them or like, you know, Paps blue ribbon shirt. That's like, got a, got like a weird hole in it. Um, weird things, you know, I'm, I'm not a bling blinger. Um, I don't have, I don't own a watch. I don't have jewelry. Um, I, my shoes are, are affordable and functional. They're, you know, wide toe box and zero drop and, you know, good for what our feet. What are, what are they? I, I have pretty much every pair of barefoot technology shoes. You could think of them from Vivas to, um, got them. I have, I have three pairs of those. I have the trail shoes, the ultras. Um, I, yeah, I have a lot, a lot of different brands. I'll be putting out a video. I'm, I, I think I've done one of the most comprehensive testings of barefoot technology shoes and everything from the, the Chelsea boot to um, the hiking boots to the sprinting shoes. And I, I found that I have some beef with that world, um, but also there's some magic from that world too. And I, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but I, I hope that answers your question. It does. It does. Yeah, I know it does. I, I, you, yeah, it does. I was curious about it. I, I just released a two-part episode this week with uh, Galahad Clark, who uh, created Vivo Barefoot. And we talked all about the foot. We talked all about the connection between the foot and the brain, between the feet and connection with this planet. Um, go check it out. It's a good one. And and I, I'm stepping up my YouTube game slowly and, and posting stuff to YouTube now so everybody can go listen to it there. Um, awesome. Um, I don't know if you recall the last question that I asked for each of my podcast guests now several hundred times I've asked this question and I don't recall what you're, I'm almost tempted to go back and listen to it live right now to see what it was. But um, the the final question is a fill in the blank. And then this can be um, based on anything that, you know, before I ask that question though, uh, where can go, where can people go to, uh, to, to go check out more of your stuff? Yeah. You, you can find me on the typical socials, YouTube and, um, I almost said influencer.com. I'm like, what What the hell? It shows you how out of tune Instagram and YouTube is where um, that's where most of my things are posted. And that links to 
the coaching, the, the offerings that I have right now, we have a really dope online course. Um, it's got 500 members in it. It's, it's great. It's, it's a place, safe place that is uncensored where people can come and learn the step-by-steps for healing their skin. And like, I've kind of tried to communicate, create freedom in their life, really, um, connect with other people like-minded, and then also interact with me, you know, get direct feedback and have these types of chats, um, on a group level. Then also there's links for private coaching and consulting, um, which at this point, everyone, everyone knows how to follow funnels and link trees and all that. So go to my socials. You can, you can find my work there. I, I do my best to flush this out as much as I can with the content. And that's probably something that I'm the most critical about with myself is like, I hate all my content and I want it to be so much more in depth. And I, I want it to be a clearer, more um, transparent representation of, of what I'd like to teach. And so that's where I'm trying to step my game up is my presentation of my materials. You know, I'm upgrading cameras and we got editors coming on board and I'm building right behind me is about three fourths of the way done um, a really, really dope podcasting and recording studio so that the message can be clearer um, and the things that I've learned can come across uh, in a, in a, in a way that is more easily digestible, no pun intended. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's where to, where to find me. I'm just on the socials. Sweet. So here's the fill in the blank question. Again, this can be based on anything and everything. Um, elaborate as much or as little as you want. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Whoa. Wow. That's, that's profound. I think everyone would truly benefit from knowing what foods actually work for them and what foods don't. It's, it's basic, it's boring, it's simple, but no one does. And everyone's guessing. And people like to lean into gut biome tests, which are created by pharmaceutical companies so that they can rope you into buying their products. Or the skin, the, the inflammatory test, which... If you ask your doctor what the standardization for the numbers are, they can't tell you because they mean shit. So find out for yourself. And the food is the the lotus, you know, the food is a symbolic thing in, in my view. Do that for everything. What what works for you? Food-wise, partners-wise, relationship-wise, movement-wise, sleep-wise. Fuck the rules. Find out for yourself. Yeah. Fuck the rules. Find out for yourself. Rob Stewart, thank you for a banger today, my man. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure uh, chatting with you and uh, connecting. So I appreciate you uh, giving me the chance to, to talk some shit here today. Appreciate it.